Is your cell phone bill out of control? Then this is your wake-up call. The new TrackPhone Wireless gives you unlimited talk and text starting at $20 a month, no contract, plus unlimited carryover data with active service. Yep, the new TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com.
life. Hey everybody, this is Nate the Great, and I, I am here for Pro Talk Wrestling. I'm a little bit hoarse because I am had my head screaming off on SmackDown last night, but I am here, I am ready to go. I am here with one of the best wrestlers who I believe is going to be a future world champion, here with Drew McIntyre, but you know him as Drew Galloway. Drew, thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm coming to you live from sunny Scotland. If I cut out at all, I'm sorry. My, my hope phone back in Scotland here in a small town is not the best. So hopefully you can hear me clear. Uh, we can definitely hear you clear right now. So that is definitely a good thing. All right, so let's just talk about... Well, let's just ask this question first. What really got you into the realm of professional wrestling? What kind of you know piqued your interest and got you saying, this is what I want to do? I don't know exactly. I can't quite remember. It's pretty cool that I'm at home right now in the bedroom that was my bedroom growing up because this is where the dream began, I guess. Uh, well, my earliest memories are watching wrestling with my cousins and my brother and I in our hands on as many British wrestling and American wrestling, WWF specifically, VHS tapes. And we would just watch the crap out of the tapes we had and back in the day when Blockbuster was a thing. So that was where you could rent videotapes back in the day for all the kids out there. And we would watch uh, every tape we could read, any wrestling we could get our hands on, any magazine we could get our hands on, and we would watch them until the video wouldn't work, and read the magazine until they were falling to pieces. We are just obsessed from a very early age. Well, you can definitely tell that. If you're a wrestling fan you have VHS tapes, you know that you've been a wrestling fan for so long. Um, I was from here. I've got hundreds here, actually. My mother kept everything. I've been bed since I'm standing beside. I have so much wrestling memorabilia. It's unreal. My dad found a bag of all my... Figures when I was a kid, there's a picture on my Twitter somewhere if anyone wants to see it. The Galloway Speaks, and it's unbelievable the amount of figures I used to have. I even found my shark, who was also the wrestling champion at one point. Wow, that is amazing. Uh, so, you kind of made your debut, I believe it was around 2009, if I'm not mistaken, for WWE, and you were given the gimmick of The Chosen One by Vince McMahon. You were going to be the guy who was going to be a future world champion. But you made quite an impact, you know, in the first just a few months there. I mean, you were one of the last three in Miz's uh, Survivor Series team, I believe. And it was actually ironic that, you know, it was you, Miz, and Sheamus, who we'll get into in a little bit, that really kind of evolved the most in, like, the matter of, I want to say maybe six months, because you would go on to be the uh, Intercontinental Champion, Miz would go on to be the uh, WWE Champion, and then Sheamus, about, I believe, a year later would be WWE champion as well. So <clears throat> so what was that like for the three of you guys to have all that pressure going on and having all that hype behind the, you guys? Oh, it was awesome. Like, uh, well, first, I debuted technically in 2007 when I first got to America, my third week there. I was only on SmackDown for, I think, two episodes. And I killed the, the major brothers and consecutive weeks and it became the Edgeheads, then I disappeared, so just a higher tip matter for the first run, and then I did return in 2009 for the uh, Chosen One run, which is unbelievable, something that's never happened before, will never happen again, likely, with Vince McMahon himself endorsing somebody, so that's really cool, and something to be able to be revisited one day, and I imagine will be one day, but certainly not now, but too much fun. But, uh, yeah, that was unbelievable, like, especially with myself and Seamus. We've been friends for so many years. We've been through the ranks together in the U.K. and Europe. And uh, that night, 
the three, the two of us I miss. Uh, also, in the final Survivor, Survivor Series team was just unbelievable. And then in the pay-per-view a couple of months later, I won the Intercontinental title, and Sheamus won the WWE title in that pay-per-view. And it was the hard to to work. Both of us were just looking at each other afterwards, like, what the hell? We're just in the UK a couple of years ago, like wrestling. <laughs> He shows in front of a few hundred people and suddenly having the IC title and he has the WWE title. It's hard to paint the words, but if you think of it this way and you're with like one of your best mates, doing something you both dream of your whole life and you both achieve that kind of success, that's something you don't think could ever possibly happen. Uh, when, what was it that you know stood out to Vince McMahon to make to W the chosen one? Did he really say you know what was the thing that kind of stood out to him, or was it just kind of one of those things where you were just the right guy at the right time? I honestly don't know. He did the, the speech on television when uh, the whole character kind of really kicked off, I guess, and that's when the chosen one started. He uh, said a bunch of nice things about me, I guess, like uh, my aggression drive and hard work and you know, passion and things people are seeing a lot of the past year when I've just been Drew Galloway because that's who I am in real life. It's like now, I'm not playing a character now. It's always been harder for me to play a character because it's just not me. And like, he saw those things in me, I guess, in my personality backstage as well as in the ring with the aggression thing, the style I've been kind of known for. But I honestly don't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew I had a promo. And somebody, hey, one of the writers said to me, Vince is going to go out for some talk. And I watched it happen as everyone else watched it happen. And then I had to go out and speak. So it was pretty overwhelming. But I love pressure. I thrive in pressure. That was a very, very cool moment. <laughs> I, I can only imagine that that was. Uh, going back to Sheamus, you mentioned that, you know, you guys have been friends for a long time. And right now he's one of the top heels in WWE right now. And actually, a lot of people don't know that in the independent scenes, you guys were actually not only tag team partners, but also big-time rivals. Is that correct? Yeah, well, we never got to tag too much, but mostly we were rivals all across Europe. Like Scotland, England, and in Ireland, where we had the only TV show in the whole of Europe. It was called Irish Web Wrestling, and the big feud was myself versus Seamus and Ida Faction. Wade Barrett was one of my henchmen, and... Uh, which I think was Pierre Marceau, a Frenchman, is in NXT right now. He's got the shaved head, the shaved eyebrows. I can't think off the top of my head what his NXT name is. Marcus Luis is it. They were both my my henchmen in the group. And it was myself versus the undefeated Irish championship. It's not been defeated for two years. Inevitably, we captured the Irish title. We took it all across the world. In Scotland, we rolls with Sledge where I was a good guy. And then we're down in England where they didn't know who the chief or react for. But that became the biggest thing in Europe at the time was Drew Galloway versus Seamus. <laughs> That is awesome. Uh, now that uh, you know, you guys have kind of gone gone separate ways. He's gone to you know be in WWE. You've been in TNA, Evolve, doing all this other things. Uh, well, do you really see Sheamus on television as much, or do you just kind of distance yourself away from WWE? I don't distance myself from anywhere. Like in wrestling, wrestling. If I like, uh, I get the opportunity to watch absolutely anything. I will watch it. If I'm home, I'll watch it. If I'm on the road and get access to it, I'll watch it. These days, I travel so much. Just named a few of the companies that I work for, but I do work for many places right now, and I try to surround myself with the best talent in the world, and I'm literally traveling the entire world right now. As I mentioned, I'm in Scotland right now. I get to base myself in Scotland because I'm from here, but I'm traveling all over UK the next couple of weeks, and I'm back and straight to New York, I believe it is, and then I think I'll do something near Tampa, and then I went straight to Australia, and then back for the TNA pay-per-view coming up. There's just so much going on. I really need not just an agent and my 
schedule, but somebody like the girlfriend constantly reminding me where I'm supposed to be all the time and saying, when are you ever actually going to come home and answer it? I don't know what I'd like to bring up with me, but, you know, wrestling is my life right now. Well, well, you, you mentioned, you know, having, having time away. What is it like, you know, comparing, you know, WWE and TNA, time-wise, work-wise, uh, what's, like, the main difference between the two? the biggest company in the entire planet has been for a very long time. Um, it runs every single week and all these different shows and multiple unique hours every single week. And um, the sports entertainment that Mr. McMahon had created is its own particular brand. Like every match is not necessarily very long and is a little you know, advertisement for the pay-per-view pretty much. Um, it's just a a very different fast-paced environment with TNA we're trying to create something different and like I mentioned in the, the stand-up promos and everything I've been doing it's not just the character it's generally what I believe like I've got an opportunity now to just wrestle that's all I want to do is just wrestle I can't thank WWE enough for the years that I had there and that's the reason I got the opportunity to go to places I've gone right now and you know the amount of TV time I had the different characters I had to show the versatility I can never thank them enough, but it's so cool to be able to wrestle and just be myself right now. Try to help build something. Like we film multiple TVs at a time, <clears throat> and it's shown over uh, the few weeks uh, that we filmed it, and inevitably we're adding more events over time, and things are, you know, starting from the foundation again. We kind of hit the reset button. We're starting to build something cool, and the fans are starting to, you know, get with it and give it a chance. If they went away from it, they're coming back and having a watch, and they can see we're just about basics. Like, there's no point to try to compete with WWE, no company can compete with WWE, but if you create something different and make people say, ooh, what's going on over here? Like the Lich Undergrounds and the Ring of Honors and the DNAs. So we're all different, but we're all professional wrestling, and it's a cool time for wrestling because there's so much going on, and it's healthy for the first time in years. It's cool to be part of something. <laughs> now, you've been in, with, you mentioned you've had a couple of factions. I mean, you had your faction in early indie days, you had a great faction in uh, TNA for the brief run that it had. But also, a lot of people don't know, but back when they did uh, WWE 12, I believe it was, in the game, they have you, Sheamus, Regal, and Barrett as the United Kingdom, and you were like a complete dominating force. Was there ever any talks about making that, you know, game deal an actual reality? Um, I'm not sure about in the storyline-wise. That's something you're not privy to unless you're actually there at the time. It's something that inevitably... Only the boss will decide himself, uh, decide himself, but I know a lot of the boys have always talked about it, and we've talked about it, and I'm sure Regal, and uh, hopefully brought it up, because it's something we all knew would work, and to have like a mentor in Regal would have been unbelievable for all of us to learn and develop and be on screen with and help you know, get us over in that way. That's just something that when you're put in a situation with people you're legitimately friends with, uh, you really get the best out of people. You can play off each other, and you're very comfortable and confident. It could have been a good thing. It was really, really cool to be able to play the game. I don't play the hookies too much, but you better believe I played the entire storyline mode with all of us involved with each other, and that's one of the coolest things in my career that's ever happened so far. <laughs> it was qu quite a deal. And now going to another faction from something big to something, you know, not as taken seriously, but... Uh, 3MB was kind of like your last big thing you did in WWE. Do you have like any 
you know, stories, you know, behind the scenes, because obviously on screen, you guys look like, you know, you could just have, like, these guitar hero guitars and just, you know, still work with it and still be over with the fans, something like that. But do you guys have, like, any, like, funny stories that you could tell us about, you know, the three of you either, like, doing something crazy or anything like that? Um, oops, i got to keep things PG. But, um, <laughs> I remember, like, WWE invested in Pout. Like, he's, uh, it's like it's one of the original um, Twitter contraptions that you could post videos. Like, I'll not be able to use any technical terms here because I'm not the most internet savvy. But um, where you could post videos onto the Twitter. I remember nobody was doing it. And was it and WWE just invested in it? And I said to Heath and Ginger, I was like, hmm, well, we're doing this. TMB thing, like, why don't we make things interesting, give something entertaining for the fans to watch and something entertaining for us to do. So we started just going out and we were terrible running and sparring and filming little clips, putting together little skits and shenanigans. I remember in New Orleans, we went out in Bourbon Street and just got hammered and then filmed it for the night and just had a laugh with it. We posted it out there and it got a lot of attention from the, the fans and the office as well. We a few other guys like, started doing it with us, you know, some of the backstage stuff that we do just try to entertain ourselves, entertain the fans, and generally when you're having fun, the fans are having fun, and that was the beauty of B&B. Like a lot of people know initially, were like, why are you doing this with her, why don't you give them something serious, give them a chance, which I really appreciate everybody, you know, standing up. I mean, saying that, in the end, there's always so many people that can do the serious character, there's so many roles in WWE, that's just the nature of WWE. So they gave me an opportunity, something different, I was hurt at the time, I could wrestle anyway, so something like a complete 180. And the fans saw just how much of a laugh we were having with it, and that's why it started working, started getting over, because they were just enjoying it as much as we were. And, you know, it's just a good time. You're having fun at work, and it's, you know, it's still a dream no matter what role you're doing. Now, when you were in WWE, did you have any matches that just stood out to you? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you and Sheamus had great chemistry, but was there anybody else that had great chemistry with you in the ring in WWE? matches I really, really um, enjoyed when I uh, come up on the Chosen One run. I guess the biggest one for the IC title run was when I lost the title to Kofi Kingston. That was the peak of the character. The crowd were wild. I had Teddy Long with ringside, and he counted to three. And that was a really big match, and you know, I had a lot of chemistry with Kofi. And John Morrison I won the title from. Like we had in all these matches where we just went out. And same with everybody I wrestled. They just tried to come up with such creative things that have not been done as far as we know in wrestling, that will stand out and tell us a compelling story that just gets everyone's attention in all the right ways, move-wise, story-wise, and just get everybody connected. And the, you know, the guys like us, the younger guys, and Chris Massos, and a bunch of superstars, I can't do those matches over enough people have not seen them. Evan Bournes as well. I just, God, I'm going to miss people. There's so many yeah, people that I used to love wrestling, but that was always the goal. Was let's go out there. Let's not just give them a bunch of flashy moves and make no sense. Let's not just go out there and try to tell a story if it's not very interesting. Let's try and combine it all. Have a great match, a great story, and everybody wins, especially the fans. Now, did you have any, you know, ideas for you know management to kind of you know maybe stand you up from everybody else, or did you have like any ideas that you know when you weren't really doing doing that much? Did you have any ideas like, oh, I was thinking about this idea for a matchup or this idea for a matchup? and they were just kind of like, you know, not sure if that would get you over with the fans? Um, yeah, we were just trying to throw ideas out. Like, I remember one that we were kind of talking about briefly was, like, a play on my FCW character, Dusty Rose, had created with a Scottish, I don't know, playboy, but I'm a kind of party guy. 
I guess I'll actually see and be happy, but like, I don't know they were kind of on that, something that kind of matched how I looked, and it was a bit different from the chosen one stuff, so we had to try something different. And that kind of got talked about for a bit, I guess, like the, the version of my FCW character. But nothing materialized out of that, and inevitably CMB happened, which I don't know what the original plan was. I was hurt at the time. I don't think the boss knew and invested in a few promos, if you remember, the VH19 music and stuff, and then found out that I couldn't touch anyone or be touched for six months. So that's the time that we just, you know, relate to the characters, especially me, because I'm the one who can wrestle. So whatever the original plan was, was obviously switched, and by the time I was back, or full-fledged comedy, they really couldn't do much serious, but the times that we did do serious stuff, the crowd really invested in it. So, you know, plenty of more miles that could have come out of it. But um, obviously they, they saw it as, okay, we need custom funds, and TMB wasn't necessary, and thankfully people believe in me, and, Myself believe things have worked out pretty well over the past year. When when you said Scottish Playboy, for some reason I think the first thing that came to my mind was like another version of Val Venus, but I don't think that's what you were talking about, were you? No, no, no. It was more, uh, you know, like some good time and party, more than porn star. PG these days. Um... Do you have, like, any favorite uh, person that you love tag tagging with that, you know, you just had that chemistry where you guys just clicked immensely? Um, there's a couple. I'd say the top one would be Wade Barrett. Sam and I were uh, FCW, like, developmental at the time, tag team champions for, I think, the longest run. We lost it for, like, a week or something at one point, but we pretty much had the titles for, like, a year straight. Wow. And in the NXT, sorry, the FCW. That would have been another cool thing to revisit, even fit into the faction with Seamus and Regal as well, even just the three of us with the UK thing. And that might have been cool. Him and I had a real good thing going on. We just got to the point where we didn't have to call out into each other. We just had our things that we did. And we pretty much just mauled everybody, like LOD, British LOD style, I guess. But uh, we're always fun and fighting matches, and because we're so physically imposing, when the good guys rallied their comeback, the crowd really believed in it. Yeah, definitely. Wade Barrett was one is one of those guys who I still think is going to be a world champion in the making. Uh, do you have any advice for you know Wade Barrett to kind of help him get over not only with the fans but also with the company to maybe get to that you know as they call it the promised land to get to be in the world champion? Oh, that's not advice I can give him. I'd probably text him anyway, but. Um... Yeah, it's just uh, the right time, the right opportunities. The same, like as I mentioned earlier, with WWE, it's just, uh, there's only so many spots at the time, and when you get the opportunity to do something, they give you that opportunity to knock it out, and anytime he gets the talk, he's always going to knock it out. He can get a job done in the ring, obviously, but his strongest attribute is tell you himself he's talking. I'd say the more he gets to talk, and the more like serious like the role, I think the better. I know the Badgers Barrett character was getting over, but I like my Wade Barrett. Uh, like I mentioned the tough guy thing well look at that man's nose to get him a microphone let him be a tough guy and he's aggressive in the ring the referees and stuff yeah de- definitely I always thought that his uh, I think it was his second return after like the core he did like this you know went back to the bare knuckle fighter deal he called the Barrett barrage I thought that was just uh, I thought that was just amazing how he you know, embellished that and made it into something bigger. And he was on like a dominant rampage. He defeated guys like Sheamus. He defeated guys like Randy Orton. And then I think he had that uh, that shoulder injury. How? how yeah. 
right thing. It's injuries have like cut him off when he's starting to go on a bit of a roll. But and now he's healthy on his ever been. He's as lean as he's ever been. He's got the the abs going now. So I think physically he's the best shape he's been in a long time, and um, not worried about any injuries or anything right now. So as soon as they, they pull the trigger, he'll be good to go. He's at the right age, right experience. He's a great guy. I guess somebody that I would definitely have as one of my top five guys. How tough is it to deal with, you know, any kind of injury that, you know, comes up? You're, you know, you're getting on a roll. You're thinking, okay, I'm going places, and then you get injured, and then it's just like, oh no, I have to go to the bottom. How heartbreaking is that to deal with that kind of deal? Oh, obviously they build you up, get momentum going, and when you get hurt, unless you're John Cena or somebody like that, chances are when you come back, it's going to be starting afresh. Your momentum's gone. It's, uh, I'm sure, very annoying. But never happened when I hurt my wrist. I wasn't on any particular type of program or anything, so it was annoying, and I hate like having an injury. But it didn't affect me anyway, so I've not experienced that. And recently, I was worried that I had something on my shoulder. I tore my labrum slightly in my shoulder, and I was worried about that. And I have to be very careful and can work out. I've been careful of the way I did my matches. I've been on such a roll over the past year, and I knew I had some big things coming up. I just was very careful and didn't rest you know, for even longer. Thankfully, it's healed there. And that was a scary prospect for myself. But if you're actually in the position, especially you know, WWE on that roll, that's... That's something I wish on anybody. Now, you mentioned John Cena. What, when all you were in WWE, was there any talks of having you do a program with him when you were either the chosen one or doing anything before 3MB? Nothing. I was always the same. I'm not privy to that, but I imagine it would have happened if it kept going in the direction where we're going. There was an active separation at the time, so I didn't get a lot of raw exposure, uh, which would have been helpful with the, the much larger audience but at the times we were I think going neck and neck with them uh, but yeah it would have been inevitability if we just kept going the direction where we were going and didn't take the I guess the the edge off the character that's something that would definitely have happened it's not again something that uh, could necessarily happen in the future you never know it's a job of a wrestling until he's physically unable to move like Vince will be running WWE until he can't he's not alive anymore like John will never stop now, obviously, you were part of the you know brand extension when it was just Raw and SmackDown, and I think you were also there when they decided to combine both brands. Do you have a preference on which one you know benefited people more, or do you think both benefited each other in a certain way? Well, obviously, like Raw is the boss's baby. It's the larger audience, more exposure. So if you were on you know, Raw, you got more of that exposure, but uh, at the time it was fun because there was a little rivalry we had, like Raw and SmackDown, and we always prided ourselves, like Taker was our leader, on uh, challenging them with the ratings and challenging them for, uh, like, house show attendances that we would have thought the competition, which the company wins if we see it that way, like, same with the Monday Night Wars and the competition, things get excited, and we made it a bit of a competition which brought everybody's game up uh, dramatically, and that's what really does help business. Unfortunately, it's going to be for a long time. It's never, you know, building people with WWE. It's like, I was saying, like, say, my opinion is nobody should try and compete with them. You just create your own thing, work together, and, and everyone's got a little competitive thing going on with the, as I say, the ROH of the TNA, so which is underground, which underground, and even the in-ring matches, you can think that way with WWE. So you compete with them in that sense, and rather than just trying to get second rate, just create your own thing, and things are just 
fantastic right now. He's independent seasons and the UK where I'm at right now is unbelievable. America's unbelievable. We're a country I travel. In most countries have got a good thing going on. The buzz right now is great. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we're due a modern day boom period of the possible to get the ratings used to get back in the day. With the nature of TV now, <coughs> with the internet, etc. But uh, I think we're due the modern day boom period because I can see that the wrestling is on fire everywhere right now. If given the opportunity, would you work with WWE again? Never say never. As I said already, I'm just so happy like, right now. I've been so lucky and fortunate. So you want to say, I just turned, I was 29. Everyone was like, oh, and they gave me so much exposure. People could see, you know, they saw me in a serious role, could see I could dress, so it was always creative. And they saw me in a completely different role. And because of that exposure, I had the opportunity to be able to go around the world. I also had friends back home and companies that were doing well. And Gabe Sapolsky, they evolved. Booker uh, saw a promo I did in Scotland in my return, which was all part of my plan, my mission statement. I wanted to get out there. I said, I'm going to go here first, I'm going to go here first. He gave me the title, the Evolve title, which is the company with the best in-ring performers in the entire planet. Like, it's the who's who. And I was on last every time. Imagine being on last. The company was the best. High flyer, technical wrestlers, every style you want, are all on before you. So that was a challenge, and a challenge I was excited about. And really got to show the world what I could do, being in that situation and traveling around the world winning the Tuscan uh, arena title we got right now. They're on five and three continents right now. But the company's putting their faith in me to represent them, and I take the titles around the world and get um, eyes on the company, like ICW in Scotland and Evolve, especially. Educate people about them and be the face of the company, something I'm very proud of. Proud to be a champion, and obviously my big goal right now is winning that TNA title. <coughs> when I get another opportunity, that's the plan. I'm planning to be the first traveling world champion to drink flair. Um, so well on the way so far, and that's thanks to people's belief in the fans' belief in me. You left uh, WWE, and you go to do a lot of independent things. You've mentioned Evolve, you mentioned all these other indie promotions. And then TNA comes to the UK, and they obviously call you up. Was it supposed to be a one-time deal, or was this going to be like a long-term expansion uh, contract? But initially, like I told uh, the big when they called me, um, I'm not looking to be an American TV right now. And he pretty much told me we're not taking no for an answer. This is the situation. This is how your TV live events will still be able to keep your commitments to the companies that helped you so far. We are not asking you to be anything different and weird character. We just want to bring in Drew Galley, let Drew Galley be Drew Galley, and give him a microphone, which I hadn't had in such a long time. I'm not saying I'm the world's greatest talker, but it's just <laughs> no help to be able to uh, let fans know what you're thinking and what you're all about. And that was a big thing for me, being able to um, have that weapon of a microphone as well as my wrestling, which is my, I guess, number one thing in most people's minds, including my own. Um, and he let, literally stuck to his word, let me be myself, and uh, things have been going really well. And keep your eye on television over the next few weeks, cause some really cool stuff. Is going to be happening over the next couple of weeks uh, with the GFW uh, storyline won't spoil anything, but I think the exciting, there's some big, exciting, hard-hitting matches coming up. Yeah, I think that was the one thing that kept me so interested in you was that when you came back and you had the microphone, you were talking about you know taking back the world of professional wrestling and you know creating hashtag stand up. It's one of those things where you were just such a relatable character because so many people were you know thinking the exact same way as you that they really wanted to see you know pro wrestling 
get back on top and not have, you know, all these, you know, I don't know if I want to say corny or kind of like cheesy gimmicks, but they wanted to see something real but like what you had. And I think that was really cool that you were one of the few that actually, you know, went out and, you know, spoke your mind. And that's, I think, one of the things that helped you got over. Thank you. And it's not a character again. Like, they gave me the kill we have. The writers put together these awesome storylines and stuff, but... They gave me a script and they said, hey, you know, these are the ideas, do just do what you want. And they let me say how I want and do it, like I want essentially in the promos, just so I can do it and be myself. And that's what they literally said, give me a microphone in the UK shows. I went out and said, well, this is how I feel. But people responded to it, which was cool. They felt the same. I was just pretty much saying, it's, you know, it's, it's wrestling, can we wrestle? <laughs> all I was looking to say, because it's how I feel. And I'm a huge wrestling fan, I always have been my whole life. And, I always think like a wrestling fan. I try to think like a wrestling fan rather than, you know, a wrestler in a bubble. It's just like, oh, if they don't like it, then screw them. I'm always like, all right, well, if you want to like it, that's why is that? And I just spoke my mind. And people thankfully felt the same, which is cool because I really, really believe in everything I say. Um, and hopefully that comes across that way because it's not fake, it's not a story. Like, it was awesome. People started reacting. I was, you know, hearing it in buildings. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Not just get a reaction or get over whatever you want to say. It's just like, seeing this stuff and believing it and they're with me that's the coolest feeling ever that everybody's on the same page and that's the page of wrestling I guess without making it sound crap <laughs> <laughs> so uh who came up with the idea for the rising in TNA yeah that's something we spoke about in the initial conversation and this was another group coming together eventually I didn't know who was going to be in it etc but it was, uh, again, we didn't really have a storyline as such. <laughs> Talked about it. it was just, you know, like MVP's group. We're going to go into something with them, and pretty much we're just going to let you be you. And that was the business and kind of group together. And that's the basics of it. And the big thing for me was you can still do your commitments to people that have helped you. These are the, the way that schedule works, and we're going to let you be yourself. That was enough to sell me. And then, like I told, like recently, you know, everything you told me to happened times, the million really have just. You know, put your faith in me and let me go with it. Put me the ball multiple times and hopefully score the touchdown a couple of times. Well, you you said that you didn't know who's going to be a part of it. Did you have any ideas on who could be the, at least the two people that would be by your side? I had absolutely no idea. I didn't ask either. The other thing is, like a lot of guys wouldn't know what's happening, what they're doing. So I can think about it, like the night before or the week before or whatever. So I always just wait that I don't want them to tell me. I just like to come on the TV and find out what's going on that day and just go with it. So usually my, my first reaction is uh, the way to go. So I don't like to know about it the night before because I just sit awake thinking about my match or whatever situation I'm in. So I had no idea like, till the day, uh, pretty much. Did you have any, uh, well, you mentioned you want to be, you know, TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Of course, the current champion is EC3, who is, you know, undefeated, unbeatable, un you know, for, forgettable, as he likes to say. Uh, EC3 on camera, of course, is probably one of the biggest heels in TNA. Off camera, is he any different, or does he stick to the character? <laughs> he stuck to the character. I think he'd be getting punched left and right backstage because he's so good at it. Uh, no, he's a, he's a good guy. Oh, I wouldn't say any more. I know he doesn't like people saying nice things about him, but he's a good guy. He's very, very good at his character. I should say that. Like, he's very, very entertaining. Very, very believable back in it. Yeah, back in uh, uh, when he first came in NXT and WWE, he was uh, Derek Bateman, kind of like the goofball. And then to see him just evolve from that to this, you know, 
this incredible heel, incredible athlete, and honestly, I, I said a while back that I compared him and Seth Rollins because once they had the interference factor taken out and have everybody taken out ringside, that they really kind of showed their wrestling ability, and they really put on like, like you know, really hell of a good matches. And I think you know EC3 is definitely one of those guys that I look at and say you know he's got potential, just needs to find it and needs to find that right person. And you know definitely when you know you two faced off, it was one of those matches that definitely stood out as one one of his matches that you know that he's arrived. Even though you know the ending would have been nice to have it clean instead of the was it uh, I think it was Eli Drake was the one who. Who turned on you? I'm yeah, not yeah. Yeah. Um, was it kind of hard to deal with, you know, the rising kind of coming to an end? Because it seemed like you guys just, you know, got in. You guys just came, came in, and I think it was only lasted for a while. But then you guys, as soon as you guys got together, it was like, okay, we're going to separate you guys. Was that really hard to work with, or was that one of those things that you wanted to happen? No. I just with the flow in wrestling um, I guess like uh, with the and the promos you know I think, I think you could just tell even when we were doing the he's still a good guy and you could see like he's got a, a little bit of heel in him I guess is the way he put it I don't know any other else because I could see it certainly watching and he did a great job and driving he's an incredible talker um, but I think you could always see like man if this guy was heel it'd be interesting and then like once we started our program when he started and doing the promos as a heel, I went, ah, that's the bit I saw that I was hoping would be there once we started the case. Uh, yeah, he was very good at talking. Yeah, that's all good. Um, very, very talented heel. Is there anybody that you would like to face in TNA in the near future? Did you see a few for the There's lots of people. Um, the Kurt Angle is going back. Um, Matt, I have not had a match. Yeah, we used to have the, the big feud in WWE, lasted about a year. And on TV and house shows. Uh, Jeff, when he's healthy again, somebody, the big fan of when I was a kid. Um, I don't know, Austin Aries. Um, I know he's technically not there, but he's there at the last shows. Like, you never know. He's going to be coming and going, even if they're not supposed to be there. You know, Bram and I face, it's going to be a heck of a war. Uh, Lashley, a big lad. I like I'm sure the TNA roster appreciates, you know, your your generosity and your, you know, your humbleness to face every single one of them. And I think it's going to be not only a matter of time, but I think it's going to happen eventually. But uh, you mentioned Austin Aries, who just left, you know, TNA, according to, you know, how the tapings are going. And now he's going back to Ring of Honor. Did you have any interest of going there? Absolutely, I have the interest of going like anywhere with the talented roster. And I've spoke to many, many people, many companies, and many countries um, as well, and things that may happen in the future. Um, but yeah, it's an incredibly talented roster, and, and I wish nothing but success for every 
everybody is just trying to make a dent in wrestling right now. The more everybody succeeds, the more we're going to succeed. Like wrestlers, wrestling, and the fans are going to succeed. And they have an awesome roster, and I'm glad they've got some mainstream attention now. SH America has become you know, the wrestling network. And there's a couple of cool ghost shows on it, so, which I'm into as well, so it's a cool network. To watch if you get it, if you don't have it, get it. <laughs> Do you have anybody on the Ring of Oster that's kind of in your eye? You mentioned Austin Aries. Is there anybody that really, you know, stands out to you that's just like, I think I could do something with this guy. I think that, you know, having a match with him would be awesome. Well, I know this guy would be tough. Um, and he's the four times. I had a few the past year, which really, another thing that helped build my reputation as well was the Drew guy. He's not just a guy who looks apart for wrestling. He can actually go the ring. This Roderick Strong, I mean, I have been battling and evolved for over a year. He's just an unbelievable performer. Probably could be the best in the world if I wasn't good for that rope to help myself. But he is absolutely phenomenal in the ring, can wrestle anybody, and, you know, he's a hard. Uh, I don't know if said it, but leave me out. But, uh, you know, we fight, we fight, and then we try and keep it innovative, unique, and we don't say much beforehand, we just kind of go out there and go for it. Maybe somebody that talented, it's really fun and creates some magic, and him and I have created magic many times in both. Now, kind of switching gears again, I apologize if I throw you off any time I switch from one subject to another, but um, I think a lot of people have always said negative things about Dixie Carter, but I'm not going to go into that. I just want to know, what is your opinion of Dixie Carter and your working relationship with her? you've almost traveled so many places and you wrestled so many places well have you ever mentioned about uh, wrestling in places like you know Japan Tokyo in the you know Asian area have you ever wrestled there Obviously, with, uh, with Chris Jericho, he mentioned he's only doing more live events and he's being the host of Tough Enough and doing a lot of things that work with him and the his band Fozzy. Uh, have you ever gotten the chance to really talk with Jericho, work with Jericho? Yeah, I've talked to him a million times. They actually never just 
some point. But uh, yeah, yeah, I could have yeah, could have friend with many many fun nights out. Know, it gives me a lot of advice and would give me advice anytime I needed it. And one of the first things I did that really got some attention was going on talk as Jericho as soon as I was gone. Nobody would message me right away and say we're getting you on. He was a bit upset about it and just you know put me over massively, and that also helped. Uh, get me going, one of the guys who also believed in me. Um, I think that that was like the highest listening to one at the time over guys in Boston and stuff. So I didn't know many people. listeners of God, but a millionaire, I think it was, not more. And so it was crazy. He helped get some crazy buzz going for me. And uh, probably off the back of that, people gave me opportunities just on his word. And thankfully, they came off. But yeah, he's a great guy, great human being, a phenomenal performer. The band is awesome too. If you're going to get to them live, they are genuinely good. I'm not just saying that. You know what I, mean? I, I definitely, I definitely know what you mean. Uh, they always make it. Jericho always, you know, puts himself over as kind of like the goofball, kind of the goofy type. Do you have any funny Jericho stories that you guys may have had, like a funny run-in or something like that? Uh, first one that springs to mind. I can't remember any, any interviews or anything. I don't do and we were in Abu Dhabi one time, and him and I went to like a rock bar, and then um, I remember we like, drank a few drinks. And uh, there was these Irish guys that were completely smashed. And I remember those white guys, an interesting looking dude, a bit heavier, and his nose, like Jericho described it, it looked like hamburger, minced meat, like you see in the pucks. And this very red, absolutely hammered out of his mind. I was talking to him, I can't remember how it all started, and he said something about. Uh, down in a pain again, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, I beat you earlier, whatever I said, and he fired back with you. I mean, no one's ever beat me at the game I drink. I go to the bathroom, come back, the Guinness is there, and he looks at me ready for the challenge. So I down the Guinness, I beat him. And then five minutes later, I make a comment to somebody and say, yeah, but I beat him over here. He went, oh, no one's ever beat me at the game I drink. And he brought some <laughs> other drink in. It was this local cocktail. I can't don't describe it, but basically there was five glasses on top of each other and it's on fire at one point. And you down it yeah, as quick as you can. So I beat him with that as well. And I'm telling the story later that night. And I say, when I beat this guy twice, you know, and it looks at me completely like sincerity in his face. And no one has ever beat me at the game I drink. And this happened at least four times that night. I just kept forgetting. <laughs> he was so smashed. And I kept beating him every time. And that was a fun night for Jericho and I. <laughs> Oh, man. I think that's honestly probably the funniest story I've heard on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, just, I looked at the guy's face. He just genuinely looked at me like he was so annoyed with me. Nobody <laughs> has ever beat me if they gave a drink. <laughs> every time I looked down, you can't be serious. This is a joke on a TV show right now. Oh, man. That, uh, Jericho always seems like he has like a lot of the be- best stories. I mean, uh, I just remember he... Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard this from one of his podcasts. When he had Bully Ray on his podcast, he was talking about the infamous TLC botch that they did where Jericho does a bulldog to Bully Ray on uh, on the... He, he hits Bully Ray with a bulldog from a, from a ladder, and Bully Ray just kind of spikes his head really bad, so he gets concussed, he's got this faraway look in his eye, and there's a point in the match where he's supposed to climb the ladder, and Jericho just, just whispers over to him and just says, Bubba, climb the ladder! And Bubba just looks at him, and he's just like, how do I do that? <laughs> And, oh my god, I didn't hear that one. I heard one about Billy Ripon in the hospital. And, uh, that backstage story, and I guess Vince said something to him and he didn't recognize him or something and told him to F off. I can't remember exactly the story. It's probably on one of the podcasts. I heard about him, but he got, I think it was from that concussion. He had his head off the building. Really? Oh man. 
I've always heard, heard these stories about concussions. Have you ever had, like, one of those instances where you've just been concussed and you're just, like, you know, just out of it? Yeah, I've only had one. It was really bad, just to the point where I didn't remember. And then, obviously, we all get dinged around all the time. It's a scary thing. And, like, you know, some people like to me and Ian as well. Any company, I guess, is very conscious of their performance and their, like, headshot and head injuries. As a performer, you yourself, you've got to be careful. You should be careful anyway, because it can and will cause major damage, just like competitive sports of any kind. What, well, what happened for that, for, for that concussion? Oh, sorry, yeah, I, I was wrestling Jimmy Yang Money in California. I first got to America, so I just got there, I just turned 22, straight on the road, straight on TV, <laughs> did a house show, and I got caught by a spin kick at the beginning. Not me silly, and I guess I finished the match, which wrestled over 15 minutes, however long the match might have been. I got backstage, I was sitting there, my girlfriend at the time, and Tommy Dreamer was there. Uh, that's what I'm told. I don't remember. And I guess Dreamer said to me, you okay, Drew? I'm, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. He where are you right now, Drew? I looked at him like he was insane and I'm an OBW where I was at the time for six months before it closed. I mean, okay, he's concussed. I don't remember any of this. And then um, I left and the trainer was trying to get hold of me to take me, get, take me to the hospital to get checked out. I was at Disneyland until my phone was turned off. I finally got hold of and went there. And we're all talking about it and those two were telling me that story with Tommy and I was like, why did Tommy say? Uh, actually, sorry, they were telling me that story with Tommy and I didn't believe him. They told me a few other things he said, and I was like, why would he say that? Why would he say that? And I was like, you're, you're concussed. You were concussed really badly, and I just didn't believe it. Still, so, any of this stuff had happened, and then I went there and got checked out, and sure enough, I was, I was wrong pretty good, and the family convinced me that it all actually happened. And it just it was so weird. I couldn't remember any of these things. Everybody was telling me. I just refused to believe they actually happened. Wow. Man. It was a big rip by everybody. <laughs> I, I can only imagine, you know, to, Tommy's face when you just said, I'm an OVW right now. And it's just like, like, well, no, you're... I've seen that a million times, I'm sure. I can picture Tommy in my head. <laughs> one of my mentors, one of my buddies, and it shoots him just going, okay, he's concussed. Well, Tommy Dreamer is definitely one of those guys who is definitely a key in wrestling. Uh, is he very easy to work with. Well, actually, have you ever gotten a chance to work with him in the ring, or? I have. Um, it was one of my, you know, initial first matches, probably third or fourth month. Uh, it was back in Independence, and we wrestled in New York, and we had this incredible match in New York City. Yeah, it was an ECW style match, I guess the best way to describe it, because they had no rules match. We probably around the building with the trash cans and stuff. And it had a really good story to it as well, like with me not wanting to fight him. And was the older gentleman who said, and then he came off awesome. He got in the mic afterwards and really put me over and said really, really nice things that people reference to me all the time this day. And uh, he didn't have to do that, but I guess he was really happy with how it went and how happy it evolved as a performer and a man, hopefully. And uh, yeah, he said some really cool things on the microphone that day. And you can check out, it'll be online and Google, I'm sure, Drew Galloway told him to. I'm sure it'll be on there somewhere. Well, I can only assume that you were kind of working. YouTube, that's what you call it. The kids call it YouTube, not Google. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so in, in New York City, I mean, that's basically where, you know, ECW really thrives out because, you know, that's like, you know, where Paul Heyman has his, a lot of his big-time events back in ECW. Um, well, let's get, let's get into that. Paul Heyman, one of the guys who really is one of the best talkers, if not the best talker in WWE today. Uh, have you ever gotten a chance to work alongside with him or, you know, maybe yeah. against him? 
that he is the best barber. But um, yeah, he's another guy just giving some great advice. Uh, backstage, the way he sees you know, myself going, the stuff that I've been very comfortable pulling off, everything we spoke about, the idea of working together as well. I remember somebody had said something, I don't know if I favorited or retweeted or something, and he retweeted it. He got, I didn't remember how many thousands of retweets. The idea of him and I working together and was one of his guys that would have been obviously so cool, but just getting the advice from him, somebody with that kind of knowledge, whenever I get the opportunity to speak to anybody that creative, um, be it behind the screen or wrestlers themselves, or even people that work in any department that's been around for a while, they always take advantage of it. You can't buy that kind of information. I think, I think I remember that there was a time where uh, Brock Lesnar came back, I think he was on a rampage, and he F5'd uh, you, Slater, and Mahal. Why, why do I have this picture in my head that Paul Heyman just comes up, comes up to you guys like, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, by the way, you're going to get demolished by Brock Lesnar tonight. Uh, did we get told? Yeah, I guess that would be one of the best ways to say it. Speak up, Brock Lesnar. He's going to be main eventing SummerSlam this Sunday against The Undertaker. And a lot of people remember last time these guys were in the ring, Undertaker got concussed and he got you know really battered. Do you think Undertaker's at all going to be you know 100% going into this or even you know in healthy form really? Actually, well, actually, it just uh, occurred to me that you actually were in the ring with the Undertaker when you were doing your chosen one gimmick. So, I think it was the match before Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Uh, retirement match. And I was technically undefeated at the time. And uh, he ended the undefeated streak. I think it was his last match before he fought Michaels. So, that was an honor to be in that match for like, the go home match to stay on my streak, so to speak. And uh, the fact that yeah, I came out second. Generally, he would always come out second, Undertaker. He came out first, then I came out second, which was always, also a huge deal. I remember a lot of the writers and agents and stuff being like, well, you don't realize how big that is. And I was like, I think it is. I've been watching it for a while. And it was a pretty huge deal. I remember I thought that story a couple of times. Just people would kick. I've not heard it before. I remember Wade Byer was in NXT season one. I keep up in Wade's case, and it's hard to do. But uh, he was in NXT season one. 
and it was uh, myself taking that day, and I went to try and talk to him. I was a bit nervous by ringside. I was going to talk to my buddy Stu. That made me feel better. And then he was like, Drew, I can't concentrate. I've got a big match today. Um, I just need some time. I was like, all right, no problem, pal. So I left him alone so he could concentrate where to be his match. And I checked the board and it was him and Skip Sheffield because I was the right back now. And we had like right. three minutes or something for the match. And then uh, obviously during the day he went and checked the board and saw that it was me versus Taker. It was amazing. <laughs> he was like, oh, he came over to me. I was like, yeah, sorry about that. And I was a bit nervous. Then I went and looked at the board and went, oh, shit. Drew's always like that and times more nervous. <laughs> You have a good place to do there for me. Calm me down. I said, oh, my match is too big. I could have gone to the street for a match. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that, that That's amazing. <laughs> So, so he he generally kind of felt felt bad because he was just like I'm focusing on my match, and then when he found out about oh your yeah match, yeah we just like one of them. Hey, man, so we just got the board. <laughs> like I was just coming over doing the same thing, try camp. So I was coming over to talk to him, and he was just so focused. And uh, they were hitting him with everything in the NXT season one, like surprising all these challenges. So I'm sure he's on edge as well. But once he saw like, oh, I was again, there was like, ah, crap. I said I'm nervous, but I'm making my big match tonight, and it's all straight Um. We talk, we talk a little bit about NXT. Was there anybody in NXT that just kind of stood out or somebody who's just, you know, under appre- maybe underappreciated is the word that I'm looking for, that you see big things in the future for them? Currently? Uh, currently, yeah. Um, something is on fire right now. gotten the chance to work with Finn Balor on independent scene? Well you hear to hear first, another dream match of Finn Bal not yeah, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. WWE make it happen. gotten the chance to work with AJ Styles in the past?
aggressive, smaller guys who wrestle strong style high flying every step. Like he's just absolutely wrestling double tag. It's an unbelievable run right now. Well, maybe you, you can get the Rising back together and you can have the Bullet Club versus the Rising in an epic feud or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll take on every single one of them. They're all awesome. <laughs> Drew, Drew, the one-man beatdown clan. <laughs> um, one of the Scottish commentators referred to me as the one-man band of destruction. I'll go with that. Really? <laughs> so, well, was, that, was that kind of something before 3MB or did that happen after 3MB? Oh, no, no, that was a play on the CMB thing. I was oh, kicking everyone's ass when the first came out. There five guys who played through galleries, the one-man band of destruction. Oh. Man, man of destruction, wow. Has there ever been, like, a nickname that you've just been kind of like, oh, this is too cheesy for me, or something that you just didn't like? I don't know. I guess you really don't like something you say, and generally don't do it. I mean, like, I know a lot of people just say, okay, you know what, no problem, but if I genuinely did like something, I would speak my mind. I mean, maybe to my judgment at times, and there would be spoken me the wrong way when I was younger. But, um, yeah, I'm not shy. If I don't like something, if I don't think I can pull it off, and I don't think it's going to come across right on television, which is going to harm the segment. I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And uh, I can actually pull off what's trying to be achieved. Wow. Well, we are just about out of time, so first of all, I want to say thank you, Drew, for your time, and thank you for coming on here asking questions, for uh, answering questions, I should say. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. It's always fun, but as I say, I don't do many interviews, I'm always worried my real-life voice is too boring. <laughs> no. But it's fun when they get talking and start telling all these stories, but thank you for having me. Yeah, it's not a fun. I can't believe it's so late in Scotland right now. I imagine it's really early in America right now, 7 o'clock here. My day's just about over. <laughs> I'm going right now, it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Alright, well, well, before you go, let me ask this one thing. In the next few months, or the rest of the year, going into 2016, what is something that we can expect from Drew Galloway? Just going to expect exactly what's been happening. If I'm in your town, you better check it out, because if I'm not having the best match on the show, then I'm failing right now. You can expect me to have the TNA World title. You heard it here first from Drew Galloway. Again, thank you again. Follow him on at Drew at Galloway Speaks. Follow me on Nathan Grunman. And guys, thank you so much. This has been Pro Talk Wrestling. And remember, don't let opportunity come to you. Go out there and create opportunity. This is Nate the Great signing oh, yeah. off. Like smoke.
like a stone Rolling ever faster To this nightmare you have sown You've had it all right in your grasp But in a breath The minute passed Now at last the end has come And you are all alone You're out of time So say goodbye What was yours off its tracks its whistle blows and one's life back echoes through the night of setting suns you're out of time so say goodbye what was yours It's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. Which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.